Welcome to the LaSallian Way Online, a digital series produced by Christian Brothers University's Center for Digital Instruction in Memphis, Tennessee. In each episode, we focus on topics in online education and approach them from the LaSallian tradition. St. John Baptist de La Salle created a culture of student-centered teaching and learning focused on transforming the whole person. We aspire to follow the LaSallian way online. Hello, friends. We're happy that you've joined us for another episode of the LaSallian Way Online. I am your host, Dr. Dale Hale. I am the director for the Center for Digital Instruction, and I'm also the dean of the Global College. I'll have the rest of the CDI team introduce themselves, and we'll start, first of all, with Dr. Lorene Kelly. Hi, my name is Lorene Kelly, and I'm the online student success specialist with CDI. And um, I'm honored to work with these wonderful instructional designers. Uh, and let's meet Tyler. Hi, everyone. My name is Tyler Isbell. I am an instructional designer here at uh, CBU in the Center for Digital Instruction. Uh, great to have you all. Kyle? Hey, folks. Uh, Kyle Prepare here. I'm another one of the instructional designers with the team. And uh, happy to be here today. Uh, Chantal, I'll pass it off to you. Hello, everyone. I'm Chantal Bryant, and I'm also an instructional designer here at CBU, and glad to be having this discussion with everyone today. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about uh, designing engagement into our online courses. Actually, uh, I think the end result will be designing engagement into every course. Uh, it, it has the the capability of providing a major impact to your teaching. But before we do, let's let's just do a really quick recap of, of where we are uh, in the development of online learning. So first of all, I think you could probably go back to distance learning being correspondence courses. And what we're talking about here, especially when we're talking of engagement, is not correspondence courses. Correspondence courses are a faculty member designs the course, um, sends the, the content to the student, the student does the course, and then sends assessments back to the teacher who grades it and gives the score, a final score to the student. That's not what we're talking about here. That is minimal engagement. Then there was the the development of online learning back in the, the mid-90s, uh, it really exploded. Uh, and engagement back then looked, looked more like what we've, we've now heard people jokingly talking about um, the response followed by two other responses uh, that happens in an online class. And that, that fulfilled uh, what people thought was engagement in an online class. That was just the, the minimal and actually has taken a little bit of a, of a wrap and necessarily so. Over the past few years, there has been a massive change in what engagement can look like. I don't want to denigrate the idea of, of discussion. And in fact, we need good discussion. That, that is a, a means of, of having some kind of, of uh, engagement 
with students, um, and we'll, we'll dig more into that here in a little bit, but there are so many other tools that we have available today that can engage the student and that the faculty can design for the student to be a part of the, of the discussion or a part of the course. So today, uh, we're going to talk about what engagement can look like in an online classroom. So let's jump into this, uh, shall we? And let's talk about what does it mean to be engaged and how we can do that uh, in, in our online classrooms. And Dale, I think one of the things that, that we see is that when, when people think of engagement, a lot of times they're thinking about the discussion. How do I make better discussions? How do I create icebreakers? Um, how do I, how do I um, you know, get the students talking to me, talking to each other? But that is a huge part of engagement, and we're going to talk about that. But it's not just that. Um, there are ways that students can disengage um, because of the way that the course is structured. And so engagement is far more than just uh, creating conversation back and forth or getting students and faculty to get to know each other, although that is a huge part of it. Um, it also is involved in really all aspects of course design, and that's something that um, we're going to talk about today. So I think probably when you talk about engagement, uh, you can't just throw things together. You have to start someplace, and I think the best place to start is the student learning outcomes. So tell us how we can do, you instructional, any of you, uh, Lorraine, you've taught before. Um, anybody can join in on this discussion. So how do you get engagement in student learning outcomes? I think first and foremost, they have to be clear and clearly constructed. Right. So they have to be clearly communicated and there, you know, needs to we need to understand like who the audience is. And usually that's understood. That's the student. Um, the student needs to understand what it is that they have to do. Right. What what kind of performance is required? And then along with those along with those elements, you also have to you have to make it fairly obvious about how what's the proficiency and kind of how. How are those going to be measured? And I think that if your if your SLOs include all of those elements, then they're they're what I would call tightly organized. And if we if we start from there, then it's a lot easier to develop uh, assessments that are clearly aligned to one or more of those SLOs. It's easier to design learning activities that are clearly designed. Are clearly aligned with one or more of those SLOs, and then what what that creates then is a situation where the students understand clearly what the outcomes are, and with every single thing that they're doing in the course, they understand how that relates back to the SLOs. So I think that like when we talk about designing for engagement, it's quite right that we start with these SLOs because I think that like. Um, it's it's there where students will very early on buy into the course and feel connected by the very virtue of the way that you've communicated the outcomes and aligned all of the activities and the assessments. And I, I think we always hear about uh, Tyler brings this often brings this up often. It's about the why because I do think we have students today 
who this is, I think this is a big change. It's not just, oh, I come to class and I'm going to listen because that's what I'm supposed to do. Or I'm going to do this because that's what I'm supposed to do. I think those days are really gone. Um, I see it with my own parenting. Like I have to let them know why this is important. Um, you may scoff at that as a parent or as a, a professor, but students today want to know why this is important. And those SLOs, as you said, really help show the student exactly why they are doing these particular exercises and they're not just fillers or busy work. Uh, yes, why for sure is a super important question. We have to communicate what students are doing, how they're going to do it, and why they're doing it. And I think not just in engagement, that's our topic today, but in really just understanding how, why, how we want to educate our students so that they're not only learning algorithms and procedures and processes, but they're actually developing as a person and as an, a future expert in their field. We want them to think like a business leader or an engineer or a scientist or a nurse. And so we have to make sure that we keep engagement high so that they are actually, they begin to practice the thinking and the doing of that expert that they hope to be in the future. I love that you said that, Tyler. That is exactly what I was thinking. It um, it challenges the sit and get model, um, and you start thinking about um, helping that learner to develop from the learner to the doer. You know, it take, and taking them, you know, helping them to develop towards proficiency or towards expertise versus just being the student. We at, the, at our household sometimes way too much. We like watching like. DIY or HDTV, you know, and they, they flip a house in, in 30 minutes and my wife gets angry because it took me three years to paint a bathroom, you know. But the, the problem isn't that I didn't know how to paint a bathroom or to work on the garden. Like, I, I, you know, we all kind of know what it's like to uh, find up a YouTube video and kind of watch how to do something. But it's it's the process of kind of being connected to that and, and and kind of the other components of that. It's not just the how to do that, but, you know, how am I motivated to do that? Why do I do that? And once you understand once you're motivated to do those things, then you're you're able to move from just knowing how to do something to actually experiencing the process of taking something that's theoretical and making it practical in your life. Yeah, so in engagement designed in a course, uh, intentionality, we've, we've often talked about intentionality in, in the way that we build a course, which means that, that this is a far cry from what, I got to be careful here, it's, it is a departure from the way that we were all um, raised. I think all of us are, are old enough or young enough <laughs> to know you know, sitting in the classroom when the when the the teacher, all through grade school, and and for some of us even through college, where the teacher stood up in front of the classroom and they said what you needed to know, you wrote the notes, then you went to your home and you practiced the math problems or or not, like me, or you you know, 
you may or may not have interacted with the content, but you certainly did no more interaction with the faculty member than just taking the notes. So what, what you guys are talking about is an intentional um, design of the course where uh, every piece, Lorene, the why, uh, every piece of the course is intentionally designed to bring the student along the path. And in, in a way, that is a narrative process. You know, a, a story is simple. A story has a beginning and an end, and then the heart of it is an explanation of how you get from the beginning to the end. And that's the way you design a course. It has a beginning, has an end, and then the content brings that all together. So engaging with a purpose or, or building a course with engagement as the purpose of interacting with the content, I think, is an important piece. And I, I know, um, you know, one of the first times I, I had the least experience with online coming into this team. Um, and I think uh, as, a, as a former journalist, one of the concepts that really stuck with me the most and, and gave me, it kind of set off all these, you know, light bulbs was this idea of narrative. And that this is as that you are telling a story and that you are taking your student through a journey. And I think that's a really exciting way that I, I don't know, and, and we, I, I was doing it as a professor. I, I taught uh, at the college level, and of course I took my students on a journey when I was teaching, and I'm sure there are some professors who think about that as they structure their in-person classes, but I will say that I don't think I thought of that necessarily um, when I was structuring my in-person courses. Uh, and to, to really think about the online, because you really are, you're writing it. I mean, you are writing a story, so it really makes a lot of sense um, when you're sitting down to design your course and thinking about these, um, their chapters almost, and that there's, you're summing up, um, you're letting them know what they're going to be learning, uh, you're summing up what they learned at the end, which really gives a student a sense of accomplishment. I mean, I know when I've taken some of the classes that CDI has designed, um, you know, I like getting at the end and going, huh, I did actually, I did learn that. Uh, and then to see what, how that's going to connect to the next chapter. And what I hope, and the, the SLOs are really, they're kind of giving away the end, right? I mean, that's, that's a spoiler alert. Here's what you're going to come away with at the end, but that's okay. I'll, I'll take that spoiler. But uh, I think this concept of this, a storytelling or this journey really makes designing uh, these courses really, really fascinating and uh, a different way of just, um, I, I think in person, I just saw my syllabus more, which is not very exciting. Um, and so to see it all, the whole story and the whole journey laid out in a, in a entire course online, um, I think that's, that's how, just like any good story, that's how you grab people, how you engage them, how you get them to come back for the next chapter. And I think that is also something as a professor, I think sometimes um, we can be, um, we don't really feel like we need to have to grab their attention. They paid for the course, they enrolled in the course, they should take the course and they should learn the course, right? I mean, that's, uh, but it doesn't always, I think we see it doesn't always work out that way. And whether that's a failing of the student or system or society, I mean, I, we can go on and debate about all those things, but the point is, um, we are competing with a lot of different things as as professors, as educators. We always were, but I think we acknowledge it more and more today. Um, and many of these things are things that the student cannot help, their family, their work, 
Um, there's lots of other things that are going on. Um, and so by creating an engaging story, um, we are in an engaging journey that results in something um, concrete and, and applicable to their lives. That's And that is really the Lasallian way, right? I mean, this is ultimately what um, that the, this is the transformational part of an education is that you're coming out on the other side different than how you started and ready to go out in the world and do these things like Tyler said to go out and become an expert like Chantel said to be a doer um, and I think that that is something that online I, I wouldn't have known it before but I truly do believe it now online we can't you can do that um, is really take a person from one point to another. Lorena, I was struck by another aspect of uh, Lasallian tradition as you were talking, and you, you know you were talking about a, a kind of a certain type of student that may actually respond quite well to do this because I tell you to do this, right? And and there are some students out there that you know you know they're in. I'm, I you know want to be a a physician or I want to be a lawyer and I've got a physician and a lawyer telling me, you know, just do this stuff and I'll do it. Fine. I'm motivated to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, our, our Lasallian tradition, uh, an important part of that is inclusivity. So we can't just stop at those students, right? We have to reach out to the widest possible uh, pool of students that, that we, that we can. Um, and so I think that the engagement piece and uh, the, the, intentionality piece becomes even more important uh, at an institution that has a strong commitment uh, to the Lasallian tradition. Part of that, I believe, um, is, Chantel, you've, you've alluded to this um, in our groups sometimes um, quite a bit, and it's, it's an important phrase, I believe, that the set it and go, is that how you say it? Set and go or set? Get and get and go. Get isn't it? Or and get, go. Sit and get. Sit and, sit get. and get. We'll get <laughs> yeah. one of them. They're in there somewhere. <laughs> sit and get. But that's a design of the of the course, right? That's that's the actually that's leaning pretty heavily on a correspondence course. Cause you just you you build it and and you let it go. You know, you, you just let the student do their own thing. And when they finally get done, they send their stuff in. What we're talking about is a deeper dive. And more expectations uh, than what has been thought of for what an online class is. Uh, I'm, at this point, I would expect the faculty standing in the classroom to have engagement with their students. And in fact, people I've talked to that, that are uh, struggling with teaching online cannot uh, conceive of a way of engaging with their students in an online environment. Because in their mind, all that they see is, is this one-way deposit of content to the student and no response back, and they're missing that response. So, folks, tell me, how would you go about explaining or, or give ideas, really brass tacks ideas, of what, how faculty can, can, can make that bridge between the, the, the faculty and the student, between the student and the content, and between the student and the student, 
and the student back to the faculty. What what does that look like to really in, create, intentionally create engagement in an online class? Dale, I think you always do a, a great job of reminding us that 99.9% of the time when we're working with a faculty or an adjunct, you know, these are people that at our institution, especially, these are people that are actually excited about teaching. And, and, and we would say we go in their classroom and, and they're picking up on nonverbal communication from their students. They're feeding off the room. They're able to kind of see where students are. Um, they might, they might go to a, a student or a group of students that are struggling and, and be able to give them a kind of push in the right direction. And a lot of that almost to them feels natural. Like those are things that they kind of just know instinctively. And then when we ask them to move things online or they decide to move things online, those things aren't natural anymore because they, they're, they're not able to see the cues from their students. They, they have to kind of assume that everybody's along, the, that people are moving along the way or that, that students are, are able to kind of get the humor from, from the faculty member that, that doesn't always pour over very well in a, in a Zoom or a WebEx meeting. And so I th going back to that word intentionality is thinking through those cues that you're, you're getting from your students, those nonverbal cues or those opportunities that you're taking to have somebody raise a hand or ask a question and, and thinking about what tools are at your disposal to actually be able to mimic that or replace, sometimes you have to replace that because you can't get nonverbal all the time when you're in an asynchronous online class. And so you need to think of ways that you can use the tools that you have at your disposal to collect information from your students. And so, um, Thinking of, thinking of each event, teaching opportunity or event, in ways of not just how do I pass information on to my students, but how am I going to collect that feedback or that information back to myself so that I can make my next teaching move and move people in that right direction? Chantal, you and I were talking, you know, before the recording started, we were talking about you were struck by this idea that some teaching presence, which I think Tyler just alluded to, is actually really important. We have some some tools in a lot of our, our learning management systems that can kind of help us express teaching presence. What Can you kind of encapsulate, Chantal, what, what the gist of what you and I were talking about? Yes. So some of the ideas that we were bouncing around were um, to add things to your course, like short videos uh, where students are able to see your face and and actually pick up on some of your humor, or your personality um, and, and pick up messages that you're trying to to give across in a in a more realistic way. Um, rich feedback. So um, on assignments and um, in discussions, participating in, in discussion boards with your students. Um, and I was just saying that, you know, as a student, sometimes when, when I turn in an assignment or, or a project that I've been working on, or even if I make a contribution to the discussion board as a student, sometimes I feel so excited about that content that I cannot wait. <laughs> 
to hear what my professor has to say about it or another student because I am really into this content and, you know, and I'm just waiting, like, when are they going to grade it, you know? And so when we participate in those discussion boards with our students, we're walking alongside them. We're building relationships, you know, it just opens up um, the doors to more ways to build relationships. And, um, and I feel like to help learners understand or, or um, know that they're not invisible in the online space. Um, I've spoken to some students recently in some interviews and um, one, one idea that was brought up was feeling invisible, um, not feeling discriminated against in any way, but just feeling invisible, <laughs> you know, and, and that can happen. Um, so we're, we were looking at some of these um, ideas where we can build relationships and, and, and help learners to understand that their contributions matter, you know, so that they're not sending out contributions into outer space that are, you know, it's, it's gone now. There's no feedback on it. It, it, their, their contributions matter. They matter. And um, I do remember one student, uh, this touches back on how we open this conversation. One student actually described an online course in in the sense of a correspondence course, and that was exactly what he didn't like about it. He said there was just no interaction. Um, his words were similar to, "We get the work, we do it, and we get a grade." And and he was he followed that up with, "Yeah, it's just not for me." And I was just like, oh, man, <laughs> like it can be different, you know, and so I'm I'm hoping he gets another experience. But um, like you said, uh, when we opened up interaction, correspondence courses, interaction, it it, it t takes us back to building relationships and looking at the tools that we have at hand, like Tyler said, like short videos, rich feedback, contributing to discussions, being available uh, maybe through your office hours or maybe through a, a touch point throughout the week where students can log in. That was another another response I received back as a student said, well, I might not always log in to the, the weekly touch point. You know, it's optional, but I like to have it there just in case I have a question. I might need a little more that week. I might not need it that week, but having the option there is nice. I know my professor is accessible. And Chantel, I think something's really important when I know it can sound overwhelming to professors when we say, oh, to engage in the discussion or make comments. It's like, oh, you know, what if I have 30 kids in my class? Do I have to make a comment on every student and I have seven discussions? You know, I think that's you don't it's not it's not this all everything you have to do it every single time um, and sometimes the best discussions are because, you know, I, I think when you take a class. Um, you know, a lot of times you are trying to impress the professor and you'd like to get them, you know, in any class, in person. And when they respond to your top, you know, they're not responding to everybody. They're responding to a few ideas. That's just how an in-person class is as well. So you can't hold yourself to this. I have to respond to every single one. And that's that's not going to work. It's not doable and it won't be enjoyable for the professor. And that's not good engagement. I mean, you don't want your engagement to be drudgery because the students will feel it if you're just checking boxes. So, you know, engaging where it's 
um, where, where it makes sense or where there's a really exciting idea and maybe even, you know, in an email, bringing forward that person's idea to the entire class, um, advancing on it, even connecting. I, there was a professor once uh, here at CBU who talked about the discussions as a, she almost saw them as a cocktail party. Like, how do I connect people? Like, oh, you know, uh, Ryan really loves uh, hiking too. And he noticed this in the, I don't know if you've asked him about that, 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 that can even bring peer-to-peer -peer, um, interaction even outside the classroom or in collaborating on projects where you're really trying to bring together that knowledge that you've gathered as a professor from really reading, um, reading their discussions or listening to their videos or getting to know them. Um, I mean, and I think that's that for getting to know your students. I mean, if you can really beyond just the person who doesn't turn their work in on time. I mean, that's that's one type of getting to know people. But to really, um, I mean, I think if I think that's what's so great about I, I think when I taught in person, I didn't always get to know every single student and their background or, or little tidbits about them. There were just those few that engaged a lot and I would get to know a lot about them or revealed themselves more in assignments, that kind of thing. But, you know, with online, a lot of times the opportunity is there for every single student who participates that you can get to know them. And um, and on a level that is not really possible um, in an in-person class. And, and that's a huge strength and something that, um, you know, can be utilized not just for that assignment, but throughout the semester to to really to to connect with that student to make them as you said Chantel not feel invisible like I actually I remembered that thing you talked about in your first discussion and I'm I'm bringing it in as I'm giving comments you know five weeks in um, that that takes time and you know that but that is uh, you know ultimately I think every student wants to be known we each want to be known in anything that we're participating in. And um, online, I think, really gives us that special opportunity even to go back like you're commenting on someone and you can even go back three weeks and go, what did they say on that icebreaker? I kind of I think this person said that. Um, but again, you don't have to do it for every single one. But those little things can go a huge it can your engagements can even just be a couple times with that one individual. But that's a lot. Um, they may not have received that much engagement in any of their classes, if they're shy, if they're not participators, you know, those kind of things. Um, so uh, I, I really, I, I, I love the idea of, um, you know, really intentionally thinking about participating and not making it as a, as a professor, not making it a, a requirement and checkbox that you do all the time for every student. You know, one of the, one of the issues, Lorraine, that I think happens in and the faculty who design their courses uh, to to do the checkbox, you know, you, this is what I'm required to do, so I'm going to engage, and I'm going to design this so that I have a discussion at every module or every week, and I'm gonna I'm gonna participate as the faculty member. So what what ends up happening is, number one, the faculty's bored to tears. Honestly, the faculty's bored. Number two. Guess who else is bored? The students. This is boring. We're, we're just doing just what we have to do. I, I've had faculty come to me that, that have said, you know, I, I post, but as soon as I post, it kills the discussion. I think there are things that, that faculty can do that, that will encourage discussion rather than kill it. And one of the biggest pieces, Lorraine, you've, you hit on it really hard is, 
when they post, they don't have to post to everybody, but they become a part of the discussion. This is a learning opportunity where all the every member of the course gets a chance to learn from each other. I've had courses where I've, I've I didn't think of what the student brought out. It, it was new to me. And so then I got a chance to learn more and it impacted what I taught the next time, excuse me, the next time around. So I think engagement is, is not just, not just setting it up and letting it grow or not being the authority, but the presence, the teacher presence, I think really makes a difference. But we've kind of in, in our, LWO here, we've, we've kind of leaned pretty heavily on discussions. What other, what other things can faculty do? Not, by the way, I'm not discounting discussions again. That's important. But what other things can faculty do that will encourage engagement? You know, I love that you brought that up, Dale. Um, there, it, it just reminded me of something that, um, that we used to do in, um, I was in middle school at this time, and it was called You're the Teacher. The title was You're the Teacher. And so it made me think of You're the Expert here. Um, and I actually saw this in, in a module that someone created recently that is um, teaching an accounting class. And um, she says, uh, you're, you're going to do the actual activities of an accountant. And so just thinking along those lines where you switch roles with the with the with the learners after you've given them the content and they've practiced and they've worked through it now give them an opportunity to practice in in a real life situation you know like um, um since you're the expert or you're the accountant or you're the teacher now how would you explain this or how would you what type of activity would you put together for for people to work through and learn this in a deeper way um and you would be amazed at the ideas that you would get back and the practice that they get um this this instructor that was doing this accounting course, uh, she first, it was a two-part activity. She gave the students a research project first, and they had to go into their accounting tools and uh, pull out all of their skills, <laughs> you know, and really get, get their ideas together. And then they, in the next part, they had to put it into action as an actual accountant. This is how it would play out in real life. And that it just seemed like it just brought everything together. It brought real meaning, meaning the SLOs were brought in. It just made sense. And it, it was a different type of interaction. You know, um, another thing that, that comes to mind is sometimes uh, you were all, we're talking about discussions and we love discussions. Discussions are great. Um, but it does, it can get to be a lot if you're trying to respond to every student or if you're, or if you have a discussion every single week. Um, so sometimes maybe try reflection. This week we're reflecting. And I really love reflection. It gives a minute for the students to stop and think about what has, has, uh, what they've been studying so far. It gives a second to let it sink in because sometimes when you have a, a second to stop and step back, you can apply things in a different way. You can pick up new aspects of what it is you're learning. Um, same thing if you're talk to a, talking to a partner for feedback, because there are ideas that you have about my work and ideas that I have about your work that we never would have known or shared if we didn't have an opportunity to speak to one another. I think there are all kinds of 
activities that we can design. I was reading over an engineer's, uh, evaluating a course in engineering recently, and uh, there was a question that, that was asked, and it was a scenario. Dale from Tulsa, Oklahoma, a an explosion in a plant, and I think it was there was some more information given, but the premise was this explosion happened, and then there were some details given. You are a consulting engineer that's been brought in to investigate why the explosion happened, and and the and the question was what kind of opening questions, given what we've just been studying about, and I think it was about valves or something. What kind of questions do you want to ask at the very beginning? Which so I thought, man, that's that's a great assignment, you know. And I, I know from uh, some lessons in uh, from universal design learning um, where you're really giving that free. We've talked about this, like giving a little more freedom yet within structure, those guardrails that we've talked about before with online learning um, about how to participate um, and that there are there. There could be a multitude of ways that um, someone just who's more they're more comfortable with things, because sometimes a lack of engagement can be about. Um, not being comfortable, making a video with their face in it, telling the student, if you don't do it this way, then you can't participate. Um, and there are other ways to get to the uh, the SLO that you're trying to meet or what the skill that you're trying to build that may not, they may be different ways. Now, certain times, obviously, there have to be some standards. We've heard about assignments, say, in engineering, where they're, they're demonstrating um, one certain thing, and you're going to need to you know, maybe show that in a video, but maybe you could make a um, maybe you could make a graphic about infographic about it or a manual or whatever a student might be more comfortable doing that can really increase engagement. And I, I may have brought it up before in another LWO, but I found it so interesting when I changed an assignment I did in our own faculty training and made it more open like that, but gave structure and and different tools that stoop that faculty could use to make their assignment. And suddenly the assignments like were more, they did more work than I would have ever asked. I, it was a really easy assignment in the beginning. It was just share a photo. And suddenly people were making videos and making infographics and putting and this was a tremendous amount of work. And that was not even but but it was what the person was motivated to do. They found that exciting. They wanted to explore that tool or they wanted they felt more comfortable doing it this way. And so I as a as the facilitator for that module, that assignment, got to look at a host of different things instead of, you know, the same thing over and over again. So it made it more exciting for me. I'm more engaged there because I'm just, you know, oh, my gosh, excited about everything that they're doing because it's all different and surprising uh, versus the expected, which is, you know, really what that assignment brought together before, because that's how I made the assignment. And so and and that can it as more and more students do online classes and we're seeing that I mean we're not a CBU is not an online university but we're seeing more and more that almost every traditional student is taking not I mean a lot of them taking one online class at least so this is becoming more of a norm and if they see these patterns all the time and, and particularly for fully online students if the class looks the same they have the same icebreaker they have the same structure that's going to be, a, even though you made them really engaging, but they just, so did the other professor and so did the other professor. And so now, now it's just a pattern and it's, and they disengage. And so giving that kind of freedom allows students to say, okay, well, that's a similar assignment, but I, I want to try this out. 
or I'm going to do this this different way and not do it the same way. Plus, I mean, you're also, I, I just think, you know, you, you don't run the risk that they're submitting the same assignment to everybody um, if everybody has the same thing. But I don't, you know, that's not the biggest concern with some of these like icebreaker easy things. The icebreaker is really intended to get the engagement. And so you don't want them just, you know, just throwing something in just to check the box. Again, that's anything that's done to check the box is not engagement. You're not getting them engaged. You're not being engaged. Um, and so allowing that kind of freedom yet with guardrails, not just, I, I think sometimes when you make it too open, like do whatever you want, then they don't do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's too much. We need a little bit of structure. We need a little bit of guideline. Um, and that's what makes it interesting. There's one thing that I kind of want to point out um, just from a personal experience. You know, I'm a recovering math educator and all. And I remember early in my career, we we were adopting more student-centered focus at our in our institution, which I'm excited. I'm still excited about. However, I had the sense that I had to throw everything that I'd ever done out the door. So, you know, as a math teacher, you know, there were there were weekly quizzes and there are lots of, you know, some would say lectures, some would say demonstrations of, of problems on the board and that sort of stuff. And so I, I found myself throwing all those lesson plans out and feeling like I couldn't use any of those any of those strategies ever, ever again. And so, first of all, it was very daunting to me. And second of all, uh, I found that my students were actually very frustrated with me because, you know, what are you doing? This is math class. Like, I need you to show me how to do a problem. Like, and so what sort of, sort of advice do you think we could offer to someone in, in that sort of predicament where they're really excited about these different strategies that we're sharing with them, but but they don't, what about their, the, the things that they've been doing in the past? You know, do they have to quit lecturing altogether? I'm, and I'd say absolutely not. And, and especially so if, if as a part of your repertoire before teaching online, if you've developed what you consider to be some powerful learning assets, uh, you need to analyze those assets just kind of clearly and soberly and objectively and ask yourself, you know, do they fit into an online context, right? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Um, and if if they if you're 100 that they don't, then yeah, maybe you need to develop some new assets that will that will achieve the same outcomes. But a lot of times, I think is what all we really need to do is to analyze those assets and then repackage them and then perhaps repurpose them. You know. Um... I had another interesting um, interaction as a student um, taking a language course um, on on campus. And one of the things uh, that the faculty member did was organize 15 minute um, sessions to meet. And it changed everything for me um, because I was able to see my professor and talk with them in person, but it wasn't just a, hey, how are you doing? Are you surviving the course? Okay, no, we, it was a language course. <laughs> so we actually spoke in the language and, and the professor gave me some um, tips and tools to look at that were, um, that deepened my, uh, 
that that could take me to another level because I was asking questions and um, he said, well, here are some resources for you. Um, so it was, it was specific to me. It made me feel seen. I got to practice my language, you know, um, in real time and build a connection with my professor. And it was just 15 minutes. You would think that that's not, you know, going to make a big dent, but it really did. 15 minutes was great in that semester. And then I think we did it uh, maybe twice um and as soon as you know it was time for the next student we're out of there but I got that time with my professor and it really meant a lot that's a great point Chantel because I think people uh, over if you're going to do something that personal and individual they may overestimate how often that has to happen or how long it has to be and that 15 minutes can feel like well that's not enough time to get to know somebody but to 15 minutes with just one-on-one -on -one with you and your professor like in an in-person class that may never happen, ever, 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 that you get 15 minutes with just you, your professor, just talking about the thing you want to talk about. So that is really powerful. So even if it only happens once in a semester, sometimes that is more than a student has ever received from individual time from a professor. Maybe their advisor, you know, they have time with their advisor, but with their individual professor, unless they went and made those appointments, which again, we know that students often don't take advantage of those, they, they feel intimidated, they don't time, whatever it is. But when you have those things, and I know Tyler has talked about when you do offer those things, a lot of times you wanna make those, especially those opportunities, like that's required. Like we're gonna have, you're, this is something you have to do because students, many of them will not do that either because they are, it's uncomfortable, it's awkward they or they don't I don't have anything to say but they always do right they're you're always going to have something to say um and so I think that requiring those kind of things but I think that is really a powerful statement Chantel about how little time actually you do need to provide each semester to to build that connection to to make the student feel seen um and and we do know I mean this is in all the marketing information about especially Gen Z, like they they want personalization. They want things that are, they, that's why they want the why. They want to know how this relates to them. They want that time for themselves and about what they're, they don't need the whole class for that. 15 minutes, actually, that's, that's probably enough. And if you do it twice, um, you know, wow. I, I think that is going to make a lot of students feel very special and heard and um and and again connect them to the class there's there's one last there's one last thing that that i want to point out and so as the as the dean of our global college and a previous life uh, director of an online program one of the things that was encouraging for me is to see what faculty did that increased engagement in their classrooms as experiments um, I gotta, I gotta say, in previous institution, I was teaching at the same time I was the director of the program. And so I was forever trying uh, something new. Uh, one time a, a student called me on it. Is this just because you are the director of the program? I, well, yeah, but I think this is a, this is a quality opportunity for you. But I think as, as the dean of, of the global college here, um, if we had a faculty member that that wanted to try something that nobody else had ever done and it, it turned to be a crash and burn it's all right 
that is okay so so one bad evaluation that's not that's not the end of life and it certainly is not the end of of teaching at our institution because we're going to encourage that let's see how we can how we can make that work so in in closing the ideas that that you've heard here that that we presented uh, i think for a faculty member start to think about other ideas, other options, other ways of increasing the engagement of your students. And I can guarantee you, well, no, I better not. If you're teaching for us, you're in good shape. You're going you're gonna to advance what we're doing and you're going to increase the students' um, uh, persistence and you're going you're to help them capture what it means to be a CBU student. And in the end, they're going to be better for it, better producer. Uh, in the field that they have. So uh, thank you for, for joining us today on this, uh, this episode of the LaSallean Way Online. It has been a pleasure uh, working with these folks, this team, and they have great ideas, and I'm glad that we were able to do this. By the way, here's a little teaser. Um, down the line, you're going to hear uh, us target one of our own here. Chantel is going to tell us about transactional distance. It's an important part of teaching online. So just a little teaser. I'm not going to say when it will be, but we are going to talk about that uh, in the future. So uh, for the Center for Digital Instruction, uh, I'm Dale Hale, and we are signing off.